Hello, my fellow movie fans, and welcome to another episode of A Feast of Films Theater with your hosts, Ethan R. Hill, Matthew Alu, and Jesse Prosser. Yeah, just like that, right? Oh, classic. Classic. That was my line. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, you're fired. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, my fellow movie fans, and welcome to another episode of A Feast of Films. My name is Ethan R. Hill, and with me is... Jesse Brosser. And I'm Matt Alu, as always, with my definitely deep voice. Oh, wow. That was a seamless uh, impression of Matt. Yep, I'm Matt Alu. I don't know what you meant by an impression. I'm the real deal. Yep, rip a doo That's what I say all the time. <laughs> you should you should put um, like a Matt sock puppet in the beginning of the video. <laughs> Just, just for, just for laughs, really. I don't know what you mean by sock puppet. I'm the real Matt. <laughs> oh, that's what I say. I'm Matt Alu. Oh boy. Totally here. I give my opinion on things. <laughs> oh Jesus. Right. Uh, yeah. Welcome to a feast of films, everybody. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna have ourselves a grand old time talking about. Uh, Nostalgia on this particular occasion. Oh boy, I love nostalgias, man. <laughs> Matt, go home. You're drunk. <laughs> I'm not drunk. I'm not here. I mean, I'm all here. <laughs> oh Jesus. Oh. Go home then. I'll see you guys later. Glad I could be here for the opening. Goodbye. Oh, goodbye, Matt. Bye. Everyone say bye to Matt. <laughs> I will as soon as I get my voice back. <laughs> Turn to Ghostface there for a minute. Uh, what's your favorite scary movie? Um, let's just both talk like Ghostface the rest of the show. With the amount of shouting I did and that terrible Matt impression, I don't think I can. <laughs> Boy. I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought Matt was right here with us. Nope, I left the room. I'm far away now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we need to get Matt to actually <laughs> do that next time he's on. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Matt is uh, off to do some awesome radio work and have a good time on the weekend. 100%. And our schedule has been wonky because of work, so here we are, uh, recording on a night that we don't normally record, just the two of us, because we are terrible at coordinating a three-person event. That's right, Ethan, but on this occasion, we're we're going to push through it and talk about some, some interesting things tonight, I think. Don't mess up, guys! I'll see you later! <laughs> Bye, Matt! Yeah! <laughs> Really committing to this bit. Apparently, <laughs> it's after I admit that this is just a bit, and it's it's, it's yeah like now it's, now the oh man I can't you totally fooled everybody I think but with the truth I misled them and confused them yes yes well, that's half the fun <laughs> and that sounded exactly like Matt oh yeah but you know pitch perfect duplicate but you know all this talk of. Of Matt Alu gets me nostalgic for the old days of Feast of Films before I wasn't on it. <laughs> Those were the good days. Oh yes, 
And I think that's a brilliant topic for today is... The old episodes of A Feast of Films? Yes, we're, we're going to do a clip show. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, like, should we? Should we seriously do a clip show at some point? That sounds... That would be amazing. Like, when we have time, just like... like Go back through and, like, pick, a, like, a, like, a best of type... Just, and, like, we could do it afterwards, too. Like, we could literally, like... Has I know it, I'm pitching has, this on the show, but... Has anybody done a clip show... Of a podcast? A clip show episode of a podcast before? Just like, oh, man, you remember that time when we talked about that thing? <laughs> Roll the clip. Oh, man, it would make editing so easy. <laughs> but think of all the fishing we'd have to do. Oh, God. <laughs> I, could, I could probably find some stuff pretty easily. Wouldn't be too difficult. So stay tuned for episode... Something. Something uh, for the clip show edition of A Feast of Films. It's going to be great. And then we could do a fake clip show clip show. <laughs> uh, for, for all those young people in the audience, a clip show is when... There are clip shows that happen in new shows, man. Are there? Yeah. Is this, a, is this still a thing? I'm pretty sure it's a thing. Like... Because it feels like a very, like, old-school sitcom-y thing to do, where they just, like, ran out of money, so one of the episodes is just clips from older episodes. It's not even just sitcom-y thing. Dramas would do it, too. Really? I'm pretty sure Supernatural did it. Did they? I'm pretty sure they did. I think they did a joke. Well, they do, like, um, they do, like, uh, The Road So Far, which is, like... like... X-Files did it. I don't know. I feel like clip shows aren't just a comedy thing. Like, I, I know uh, Community does an entire episode where they take the piss out of the concept, and they just... Make a... I want to see all those episodes. Right? They'll... I would take a season of all those clips. Oh, 100%. That would be amazing. We just slot it in instead of season four. <laughs> and then, then Community would be perfect. Yes. I mean, it is pretty pretty perfect as is. Indeed. Clip show. Let's see, uh, Clip Show <clears throat> Clip Show is an episode of a television series that consists primarily of experts from previous episodes. Oh, wow. Um, variations. Company, The Simpsons. Hmm. Uh, Cheers did one. Of course Cheers did one. Cheers is like... Avatar The Last Airbender technically did one. Did they? I'm trying to remember what episode that was. It's the it's technically the uh, the stage performance one. Oh, right. Well, that one was just fun. Like, right? Um, I swear there's like some serious... There's some more serious uh, shows. Oh, no, you might this. be thinking... In that case, you might be thinking of the theatrical performance of Supernatural. No. No. Supernatural the musical. On the road so far, we are in Dad's car. Um, <clears throat> Stargate apparently did a clip show. Um, so yeah, so clip clip episodes totally exist. So those are a thing, and <coughs> we're gonna. <coughs> but is it really like, is it a thing that like exists in a lot of modern shows? Just because of 
the way that they operate now, where they're like these. I long thought Brooklyn Nine Nine did one too for some reason. Well, Brooklyn Nine Nine just has cutaways to like older shows, and sometimes those cutaways will be clips from older episodes. So like it's kind of just built into the formula of that show. Well, you know what? 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 Simba. E- either way, we ended up explaining the concept of clip shows anyway. Either who? Yeah. So are you now nostalgic for clip shows? Uh, kind of. I mean, it's it's kind of funny. It's a funny idea. I, it's there always the episodes too where I'm like, I'm gonna skip this, and then I never skip it because it's always good clips from the show. And you're just like, ah, you know what? Oh, it was like YouTube before YouTube, you know? Mm-hmm. Just remind people like, oh right, syndicated television. Ah yes, I forgot about syndication. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that thing from like two seasons ago that I haven't watched because I have a life. <laughs> Oh, man. But, man, what got you thinking about nostalgia? Well, it's, uh, we were having a conversation. I believe it was in regards to the Was new... it the newest Ghostbusters? I was getting to it. Oh, man, I love the newest Ghostbusters. <laughs> Do I needed to say it before you said it, because I love that movie. Holy crap, I really liked that movie. I thought it was really good. I cried. I almost cried. I didn't... Because I successfully cried. Well, I'm well, I'm so I'm, so, I'm more of a person than you. I'm so proud of you. You for should be bawling for... like a child. I <laughs> bawled like a man. Oh, wow. Yes. Well, there you go. I was. It was very heartwarming, heartbreaking. So good, just so good, and it felt like the proper, proper Ghostbusters movie that we should have gotten. Oh. 10, 20 years ago. Well, no, everybody knows the proper Ghostbusters 3 is the video game. No, that's the in-canon one. I'm talking about, like, like, man, it was just, it was so good. And, like, the problem that I think me and you both are having right now is we keep seeing people online complaining about it being, like, it's playing into nostalgia. It's, oh, it leans too much into nostalgia. Yep. You and mean exactly what they wanted based on the reactions from the last movie? Well, you see, but the problem was the last movie, um, there was no nostalgia. Now, this one, there's too much nostalgia. All right, yes. But, like, what is nostalgia and where does the line get drawn? Because to me, watching this movie, there was nothing preying on nostalgia. To me, there was... Like, there was one thing within the story, and, like, it's it's in the trailers. It's, like, the little state puffs that are in the film. And don't get me wrong, the way they use them within the context of the story is fun and enjoyable. But to me, it's, like, I don't understand why they need to be little state puffs. I liked them. I didn't care. Or, like, again... And it's not like I sat there and was like, oh, man, look, it's that thing from the first movie. I was just like, oh, this is fun. Like, those little things... <clears throat> Those Stay Puffs could have been anything. Mm-hmm. They pick something recognizable to the franchise, and I don't think that's them feeding into nostalgia necessarily. Yeah. I think that's just, it's a connectivity thing. And I think the problem, especially with a lot of these sequel, soft reboot things, mm-hmm. is there's a difference between, like, playing on nostalgia and preying on that specifically. Yeah. And just having things that would logically make sense to be in the next chapter of the movie. 
No, exactly. And that's where I think you're right. Like, if you wanted to call out something for not being that, the Stay Puff would yeah. be that. But everything else, when people are like, oh, the car's in the movie, and the, the weapons are in the movie, and they, it's like, yeah, you it's, know, this thing is this from this movie, and it's like... Yeah, it, it's almost as if it's a, a sequel to Ghostbusters about the ancestors of a Ghostbuster, you know? Like, it's... Uh, like, those are things that just would be in the movie if you want to tell a story about them discovering the Ghostbusters. Because literally what the movie is about is ultimately, like, rediscovering this thing that happened years ago and finding out that it's happening again, you know? Well, discovering your family is a big thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of themes that are in it that aren't just preying on nostalgia. Yeah. And, like, Ready Player One also also gets that too like they get like it gets crapped on for that too where it's like oh it's a nostalgia fest but also like that's like the point of the story yes the point the point of the story is Is that the the, real world is a complete crappy place to exist so everyone lives digitally in the past like they live in this this idea of what was the peak of humanity which was the 80s for a lot of people Mm-hmm. So they escape to that. So like the if the movie is about nostalgia, you're gonna have nostalgia in it, and that's where it gets weird when people complain about like, look at all the characters in it. Look at all the characters in it. Well, yeah, it makes sense for Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Space Jam Two, as much as I've never seen it, yeah. Um, just going off the trailer, that was something that was preying off of nostalgia. Well, because don't they it's, literally use clips from older movies in the movie? I have no idea. Like, I, like that's something I heard that they do, like, digitally impose, like, Roadrunner and, like, all those guys. They digitally impose them into older films from the WB catalog. I don't think that's preying on nostalgia as much as, like, that's inserting characters into that. But, like, just having the characters, having the characters from other franchises just appear in crowd shots. Yeah. Um... For no reason. Like, again, the movie's a Looney Tune movie. Yeah. It should be nostalgia as, nostalgic as is. Yeah, like, you don't need to add a whole bunch of other franchises <laughs> into it. it like, more. why is the Iron Giant... It, the Iron Giant makes sense in Ready Player One. Yeah. It doesn't make sense in a Space Jam movie. Yeah. Why, like, how many people going to Space Jam are going to be nostalgic for the, the Clockwork Orange gang? <laughs> I mean, I know I am. Yeah, right? Always nostalgia for a little ultraviolence. Yes. Um, but no, it's like, there's... To me, there is a big difference between a movie where it's like, the whole point is, we're gonna, we're gonna fill with all the things that, like, make... They're gonna make you want to see this movie because, oh, it's that thing I recognize. And earning those things within your narrative because they would just make sense for them to be there. Well, and it's like, it's... uh, I know Matt wants to talk about this topic, so I'm not going to get into it much, but Mm -hmm. it's like, it's kind of how I'm feeling with, like, the new Spider-Man movie coming up. Yeah. Um, Bringing back all the old villains feels like it's a nostalgia play rather than it feels like a good story. But that's just my opinion, and we'll get into that more when Matt can be present for that episode because I think he wants to talk about Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at with that. And there's a lot of things that come out this day, these days. It's it's all the movies that are getting released, like especially the horror movies mm. that are getting released that are just like the same title as the movie that they came out with, but then the new year for it. Like, And it just feels like that's preying on nostalgia rather than 
creating something new and unique, you know? Well, it's like, as much as I enjoyed it, I don't know why the new Halloween had to just be called Halloween. Just to add to the confusion, because you've got the original Halloween, you got Rob Zombie's Halloween, and now the new one's just Halloween. So you got three movies within this franchise that are just called Halloween. Two that are called Halloween 2. So, like... You could just you just give it a subtitle. That's it's easy, and then you save the confusion. Wait, there's two that are Halloween two. There's Rob Zombie's Halloween two. All oh, right, I guess so. Yeah, like if you're including the remakes in with the whole. Franchise <laughs> so yeah, three thing. three Halloweens. Yes. No, exactly. And like, and that's that's again, it's another form of nostalgia because it's people are going to see oh that title of this movie that I remember watching when I was thirteen that scared the crap out of me. Let's go see that again. Yeah. Would be like if if the new Matrix movie just called itself The Matrix, it'd be like okay. I feel like that's probably a that conversation. Was mostly, oh, 100 percent, it would have been. But like, I like that it's just resurrection, like keeping with the theme of what the sequels were titled. You know, I'm very concerned about that movie, but that's just me. Yeah, like I I am cautiously optimistic for it, like because again, it's been in development for so damn long. But then again, so was the new Bill and Ted movie, so who knows. But to me, it's like, if you you look at something like that, and then you compare it to like how like the new Blade Runner handles being a sequel to the original. like it, The new Blade Runner didn't feel like the old Blade Runner. No, not you know, at all. Like it was such a different movie. But it works as a sequel to what that movie was. Yeah, like, it basically, it takes the themes of those of that original movie and, like, a lot of the concepts. Like, again, like, uh, Ryan Gosling's character being an updated version of, like, uh, Replicants. And they've gotten further along. Like, it basically, it feels like the world has aged another 30 years and, like, how much more destroyed and rotten out this society has become as a result of the things that have happened within the world. And really it doesn't start giving you things from that original movie until, until you're well into the third act. And even then like, no, I'd say the second act, second act. Well, I guess, yeah, like, cause they start talking about uh, Rachel and all that, but that's to me, that's part of the, like, the mystery of what Kay is trying to uncover is directly linked to that original movie. And at that point, they're kind of paying it off. Because again, like, you you didn't need to have Harrison Ford in the new Blade Runner to have that story work. You no, could, not at all. No, but when they have him in the movie and the way they used him works and they they've earned it at that point, you know? Like, at that point, the movie was its own movie and doing perfectly fine on its own, didn't need it, and then adds on top of it, oh, man, we, we're seeing Deckard again. He's got the, the car, and he's got the gun, because it would make sense if he ran away that he would still have the car and the gun. Yes, kind of. It's always weird to me when movies do that, though, where it's like, oh, and this person has the exact same stuff that they had, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's the same reason I have an issue with episode 3 and then episode 4. Oh, yeah. It's because it's like, we are all prepped and ready, and everything is set up exactly to go from episode 3 to episode 4. 
nothing interesting happened in the, in the next, next 20, 20 years. years. And it's kind of the same thing for that. Like, like Deckard having the exact same things doesn't make sense, necessarily. Like, it does, but it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, like, like, well, I guess that's the question is, has he been on the run, or has he just been in hiding? Well, a little bit of, like... Initially, he was on the run, and then he's just been hiding out in irradiated Las Vegas because nobody goes there. So if he'd just been chilling out for that many years, like, he would just be sitting there, you How know? How is he not irradiated? Because he's uh, Harrison Ford. That's <laughs> not a reason. Actually, I'm trying to remember what the reason was in the movie, but the most I know is, like, the outside of uh, Las Vegas is kind of like a wasteland type of deal. I'm trying to remember... If, like, within the limits... No, I think, yeah, he does a test, and, like, within the limits, it's, like, minimal amounts of radiation. So. But to me, it's, like, that is a sequel that, like, is very much its own movie, and then introduces new, like, the like stuff from the original in a way that makes sense. And that, to yeah. me, is kind of how you should do a sequel in a lot of ways. Like, kind of tell a new story, but still having those elements from that original film... To keep that continuity going. Well, I say that's why people are liking the new Candyman. I've heard, I've heard mostly positive stuff about the new Candyman. I haven't seen it yet. Like it, like just based on what I've seen, it looks like it's trying to tell its own story. It's telling a new story in the Candyman universe. Yeah, it's again, it's a sequel. It's that that's kind of the idea, and I feel for a lot of these franchises that people are nostalgic for, that's the way to go, instead of just trying to remake them from the ground up. Exactly. Well, because there was that glut of remakes that they did of, like, a lot of the slasher films in the early 2000s. Well, they're doing them again. Oh, yes. Well, it's like, would you want to see um, a remake of Jaws or just another Jaws movie? I mean, I mean I'll be honest, I would rather neither of those things, but... But if you had to choose between, like, a Jaws movie set in the same universe where Chief Brody fought and killed that first Jaws. I mean, like, at, I mean, unfortunately, we're in the dark timeline where we don't have, uh, what is it, Jaws 9? What is it? Like, what's the one in Back to the Future? It's like Jaws 23, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like, we unfortunately haven't made enough Jaws sequels to get to our quota for that. Um, so I would say a Jaws 5 just so we can keep it going. Although, isn't there a movie called Jaws 5? Yes, there's a movie called Jaws 5. That has nothing to do with Jaws? No, not at all. Yeah. Jaws 19. Jaws 19. Okay, we got, we got like 15 more to, to go here. So we got, we got to get cranking them out. So I would say, I would say Jaws 5. Because in reality, like, you could do a new adaptation of the book of Jaws. But, like... But the only it's things like, that are missing are the things that wouldn't work. Like the mob plot and... Uh, Psychic connection to Shark. Yep, and uh, Hooper and uh, Brody's wife having an affair. Like, all and all that stuff to me, like, yeah, sure, you could do that, but, like, why would you? But it's like you could do, like, you could do a new adaptation of The Godfather, but why would you? If you wanted to do the next chapter in the Corleone family, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, like and that's kind of what the that's kind of what Godfather Three was supposed to be. Yeah, and then it just turned into Old Man Michael Corleone. Yes, 
They're like, oh, these these kids are weird. Let's go back to uh, let's go back to old Pacino. No, these cousins. Why are these cousins doing things? God, that movie is so weird. And the and the new cut of the movie doesn't make it much better. No, it didn't change a thing. It's still it's still weird and still structurally not that great. Oh, but you know what was a good one though? Rocky. Oh yeah, like uh, I yeah recently saw the the director's cut, the ultimate director's cut of Rocky Four, and man, after seeing some of the stuff that got cut from that original movie, like it still got some issues that are like just inherent to what Rocky Four is as a movie, and yeah. by issues I mean the amazing stuff that is Rocky Four. But when you when you compare it like to the rest of the franchise the director's cut Stallone did feels more in line with those original movies. And like those a lot first of, three, at least. Yeah. And Creed. Oh, hundred percent. Like a lot, the, a lot of the, there's a lot more character moments, especially for characters who are underserved in that original movie. There's a lot less poly, but that's because, you know, they cut the robot out. So like, what do you do? Um, and it is a little weird that they start with like, nine minutes of Rocky three, but like with the way they structure the movie now, it kind of makes sense. Right. But overall, like that's the thing where like Stallone revisited a movie he did many years ago and kind of took, got to do a new take on it and actually show some of the stuff that in my opinion, if it was in the movie originally, it would have worked a little bit better, but it wasn't necessarily the movie they were trying to make at the time. Cause that movie ended up getting turned into a weird, like, political statement, you know? And it was still there. Oh, yes. But now there's more nuance to the Russian characters. But if I could change, you could change, and capitalism wouldn't be a thing anymore. Then everybody could I mean, change. communism? I don't know. I don't know which side they fall on. I don't know. I've been punched a lot this evening. <laughs> I, I have. Cross just punched me in the head several times. Oh my god. Um, no. <laughs> Once again, it's really... Rocky Five's not that great, but, like, it makes sense that, like, he immediately comes back and they're like, Yeah, no, Ivan Drago messed you up, man. Like, the, that guy hits, like, a like a freight train. You, you probably shouldn't fight anymore. It's like, alright, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> man, Ivan Drago just totally, uh... Beat you up, and now you lost all your money. Yep. Again, because Polly. But we're not here to and talk now about... you're in the poorhouse. Yep. And now you're gonna abandon your son <laughs> to teach this other to train, guy... <laughs> to train Tommy Gunn. And then, and then we're gonna ignore... And then we're gonna kind of address that in Rocky Balboa. And then completely ignore everything in Creed. Yep. Yeah. Rocky Five. that's so... Such a weird movie in that franchise. Well, because, like, again, Creed was just a better Rocky Five. Oh, 100% it was. I do I do kind of wish, like, there was a bit of a sun drama thing there, but, like, we're kind of getting that in Cobra Kai as well. Oh, yeah. Cobra well, Kai. Again, another... let's, we should just talk about Cobra Kai for the next hour because it's awesome. But, like, you want to talk about a show that, like, has nostalgia in it, but isn't good because of the nostalgia. Because you, you would say you're not really connected to the Karate Kid, right? Oh, no. Like, I never really watched the Karate Kid when I was a kid, as it were. I think I, I, think I finally saw it when I was in, like, college. If there I really... like, I constantly watched it. Yeah. Karate Kid 1 and 2 all the time. Okay. 
like just regularly, like growing up with my family, like it was just a staple. Um, and as like as somebody who didn't really have much of a connection, doesn't have much of a connection to that original movie, other than oh, it's a really good movie. I thought that Cobra Kai was fantastic. I mean, like, what, we binged it over, what, two weeks? Basically, yeah. Like, and it has really great characters, both new and old. And, like, the movie, like, the movie, the TV show starts off with uh, Johnny Lawrence, but then, like, it slowly introduces, like, it introduces Daniel, and, like, you see where he is in his life, and, like, it honestly recontextualizes a lot of stuff that people talk about from those original movies and plays off them in a new, interesting way. Well, like, I always thought that, like, the whole premise of this was that Danny was going to be the bad guy. Yeah. And I love that he wasn't. No, exactly. Like, they didn't vilify the hero, but they, they didn't keep the original villain as the villain. No, exactly. Well, and, like, they actually, like, do kind of call... Danny out on some of the things that like he was kind of responsible for as well and you actually get to see those events from Johnny's perspective yeah he just poured water on me I hadn't Un- seen him in like three months <laughs> it was completely unprovoked <laughs> yeah I beat him up so what we move on <laughs> like it's just it's really fun and then like you get the new kids like Miguel and some high emotion stuff and Hundred percent. Like that is a show that like, like they call back to like they call back to like pretty much everything. I think they the only thing they haven't called back to was like the the new Karate Kid. Um, they haven't called back to the next Karate Kid. The next Karate Kid, yeah. Um, the Jaden Smith Karate Kid, and they're just getting to Karate Kid Three. Yes, <laughs> with the weird uh, billionaire that owned Cobra Kai. What? I guess that's a thing in Rock. Like, uh, you find out in uh, Karate Kid 3. Is that Tommy Silver? I think so, yeah. No, Tommy, no, Tommy Silver was a friend of, of Kreese. Yes, he was a who was a billionaire that owned Cobra Kai. I'm, like I said, I'm really excited for the next season. But the thing is, the show earns a lot of these moments, and it uses those original movies to build on the story that they're trying to tell now. And even if you haven't seen those original movies, like, I've, I've never seen Karate Kid 2, and I've never seen Karate Kid 3, but when they introduce elements of those movies in, they still work even if you know nothing about those original movies. It helps that they show clips and, like, kind of give you context, but to me, like, that show works, it works just as well if you're a newcomer, as well as if you've watched those original movies, which is apparent because of you. Well, because you never saw... You never saw the sequel, so all the stuff in Japan. Yeah, that's that all was foreign to too. you, but you still enjoyed the crap out of that, right? Yeah, no, that was great. Like you get a completely new, uh, completely new scenery. You meet a whole bunch of these new characters. Again, they're new to me, but not new to people who've seen the show originally. Like it's just, it's just very well done, and it doesn't just throw in stuff like, like the wax on, wax on thing. It would make sense that Daniel would use that as a training ta- tactic because that's what his his sensei used to train him. Like a lot of the stuff feels natural to how the story would flow. It's not them just like saying things because oh, wouldn't it be fun if he said this thing? Like it, it feels natural to how the story would flow. 
No, exactly. Mm. And that's what I like. And there's like so that's the thing. There's really good examples of nostalgia. Although it's like we we mostly talked about like positive examples. I'm trying to think of like. Well, I think that's the thing that I like. That's my main gripe. Mm-hmm. It's not that there's a plethora of bad examples of nostalgia. Yeah, it's that people use nostalgia as like a buzzword for like, oh, it references old thing, therefore mm-hmm. it bad. Yeah, like and it kind of started like because South Park did that member berries episode. Yeah, which was funny. It was really funny. It was oh, a good episode. Hundred percent. And like, it had a point. It definitely had a point. But people take things and they run with them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, this person pointed out this thing. Now I'm going to point it out everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. Although it's weird because, like, so, like, all these other movies that, like, reference things that are, like, if they're sequ- all these movies that are sequels to, like, older franchises yeah, that reference stuff, that's, that's nostalgia baiting. That's that. But then MCU, it's Easter egg. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, man. They've been planning this since the first Iron Man. No, they haven't. <laughs> They're reactionary. They're just really good at covering their tracks. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think they've said just as, at least Kevin Feige has said just as much. Like, there's, like, a very loose idea of where they know where they want to end up, but how they get there is very, like, nebulous and constantly changing. But again, if you're not really looking for that stuff, it's just like, oh man, they've de- they planted so many seeds. Because it's like, they could look at something that happened in Iron Man 1 and be like, oh man. Let's if- bring that back. Yeah, let's let's reference that. Like, like in Shang-Chi, like, it's like, oh man, let's bring the, let's bring Ben Kingsley back. Because it would make sense to bring it back. It's like, oh my god, it's not a setup. It's just, well actually, I think they did set that up technically in uh, the one short film, didn't they? They set up something with him, but not for Shang-Chi. It was just yeah. going to be in general. In general, like, oh, this character is still alive and, like, going to potentially meet the real Mandarin, as it were. Yeah. Like, that, like, that's the thing. It's like, there are all these, like, there's these little things. And half the reason they did that short was because Iron Man 3 didn't go over well. Yeah. Which, again, that's a whole other topic, because I actually really like Iron Man 3, but, like... But, like, that's that's kind of the thing, is they're reactionary, mm-hmm. and they know what to do. They know to plant a lot of seeds so they can reap what they want. Oh, they're exactly. not just planting one crop of apples. They got a whole they, orchard. Well, they have apples, they have oranges, they have bananas, they have, they have grapes, they have mm-hmm. everything. They have planted so many things mm-hmm. that they can pick and choose whatever they want... 100%. And go from there. But people see that and they're like, no, no, no. That's excellent planning. Whereas if there was more years behind... I, I guarantee you, if there was like an additional 10 years... Like if there was a 10-year gap. Like no Marvel movies were made from this point to 10 years. Oh, jeez, that would never happen. People... But that's the thing. is like people of a new generation would be like, oh, they're trying to be nostalgic and reminiscing about the old days. And it's like, uh, no, that j- if that's just the Marvel way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if it's a built-in universe, you're going to have that stuff. It would be like having an alien movie without a xenomorph. Mm-hmm. It would be kind of weird. Yeah, although, again... The okay, war- let's go, let's, let me clarify. <laughs> an alien sequel... Yes. <laughs> ...without a xenomorph would be weird. A prequel, <laughs> not so much. Yeah. Because Alien Covenant, actually, yeah, there we go. Let's, let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rant about this for a second here. 
Because there's a lot of stuff. Let's go back to Prometheus first. Yes. Because in Prometheus, like, which is a movie I actually really like. It's actually my fourth favorite alien movie. If I had, like, if I was ranking them. I think it is for me too, but I think we, f- we flip on three and four. Yes. Because, like. Because you like four more than you like three. Because four is so bad. Yes. That's why I love it so much. It's so bad, like the power glove. Like, yeah, it's so, it's not good. Yeah. But, like, it works so well, and the color palette's great, and the acting is fun. Yeah, like, it's, it's, uh... But it's so not alien. Yeah, like, tonally, it's a the biggest shift in that entire franchise. It's a very different beast entirely. Alien but it's 3, a f- yeah. you shouldn't have to rely on assembly cuts for it to be a good movie. But it certainly did a good job of solidifying the themes of Alien 3 and making it a much more coherent narrative. Anyways, we'll, we'll talk about Alien 3 at some point. Um, but with uh, Prometheus, when it came out, I, I saw it opening night in IMAX and I dug the shit out of it. But some, oh. of, some of my friends, like, they were not as big into it. Like, they liked it visually, but they were kind of disappointed by, some like, the way the story went and some of the characters, things like that. I've heard all the... I've heard every criticism against Prometheus, and, like, some of them I can agree with, and a lot of them I'm like, eh, that's feels like a bit nitpicky. But ultimately, like, I really like that movie. What was the argument me and you had about it? Oh, what was it? Because um, we used to have an argument about it. That was really fun. Um... Because, of course, there's the, oh, why they why didn't they just, like, run to the side? It's just like, well, I don't know. If there's a giant spaceship that's falling from the sky, like, right behind you, are you necessarily thinking about where you're going to run next? Well, that's where ideally, and when people say they should just run sideways, I disagree with that, because you don't know how fast or wide that thing is. Well, again, the, run. it's like a, it's a croissant-shaped ship. You don't know how that thing's going to necessarily land, well, you that's know? Well, for me, like, I would run, I would run still forward but at like an angle so i'd eventually clear it you know yeah exactly um but even then it could roll it could do anything like it's like your your brain is literally just gonna go into like haul ass mode and like try to get as far away as possible oh no there was a stupid there was a thing that i'm like ah this thing bugged me we debated it for a while yeah i got nothing i'm trying to think that yeah either way though so i really like prometheus and like ultimately the thing I appreciated about it is, like, there was, aside from, like, a couple of little things here or there, there was almost no reference to the Xenomorph creature at all. Then you get to Alien Covenant, which it kind of doubles down on a lot of the things that people liked in uh, Prometheus, namely Michael Fassbender. Like, they literally have two Michael Fassbenders in the movie, and he's the best part of the film. Go figure. But the movie starts off, and I was really into it. And the movie goes along, like, again, like, act two, and I'm still kind of digging it. Some of these characters I'm, like, not vibing with very much, and I still struggle to recall some of the names of the characters, aside from, like, Danny McBride, because they named him Tennessee, and I actually really like Danny McBride in the movie as well. But uh, then... There's a, there was literally, like, and I saw it with uh, Ethan and another friend of ours, Jordan, and, like, they were sitting next to me, and there was a certain point in the movie where, like, my energy changed the the room 
because I was like, oh, God, they're not going there, are they? And then, sure enough, they bring out the, the alien egg. There's a whole room full of the alien eggs, and it's like, oh, oh, great. I'm just so happy that this is where we're going. I created them. And it's like, oh, oh, I guess the, I guess the, the, the terror of the galaxy, the xenomorph, was created by a bored android on a, on, on a deserted planet. Technically oh. created by man. Yeah, right. That that just take. I just love the idea that this cosmic horror entity, the xenomorph, was created by a bored robot from Earth. That really just ties it all together, doesn't it? Um, but they do that, and then like the movie simultaneously starts trying to be aliens, but then they remake Alien in the last like ten minutes of the movie, and all that stuff I absolutely just hated. And I was like, you you had a pretty good thing going here, and then you completely loused it up by just well, like the backburster had you intrigued. Oh yeah, well that was a completely different thing, like like the the neomorphs or whatever they're called. Like I was like, it's like alien the aliens with like the weird round mouths. Yeah, again, like it's alien adjacent, still feels very like H.R. Geiger inspired, and like it felt like in that same world, but it wasn't the xenomorph, you know. And I was fine with that. Like, the, that's kind of the promise at the end of uh, Prometheus had with the uh, the Deacon alien first. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to do other creatures that kind of, like, will, like, be traces of the Xenomorph, but we're not going to have the Xenomorph in these movies. And, like, again, when I saw the title was going to be Alien Covenant, it's like, okay, I guess we're just going to abandon this storyline, and they completely do. But to me, instead of just committing... <coughs> Pardon me. Should be. Instead of just committing to the story you wanted to tell and kind of going in this like ep cosmic horror epic where we're going to explore the origins of humanity and why like the engineers wanted to kill us, all this stuff. Instead, ah, we're just gonna sweep that under the rug and we're gonna bring the xenomorph back because people were mad that the xenomorph wasn't in the movie. It's like there was maybe, like, a small minority of people that wanted Prometheus to be a direct alien prequel. Like, and I'm not going to say there weren't people who wanted that, for sure. And I think at one point it was going to be. But then, the, the idea that we're going to explore kind of, like, this universe and not really connect it back to the Xenomorph, at least until, like, maybe a bit later on really intrigued me and I thought that was going to be a really cool ride to go on because I love the alien universe. The technology is really cool, like the the uh, general design of like the creatures, all that stuff. The space jockey is a really interesting thing to explore and tying it all into like ancient god theory and things like that. I found all this stuff really fascinating and then they like immediately sweep all that stuff under the rug because they're like, oh man, People had a mixed reaction with this. Uh, throw the xenomorph back in. And that to me is a bad use of a property and is very much nostalgia bane. Like they threw the xenomorph into every single bit of advertising. Like if if it was just called like if they just called it Covenant and they just kind of like kept it kind of a mystery like Prometheus was and then like maybe like exact same movie 
and then like the xenomorph still showed up i'd still be like oh come on guys do we really need this in the movie but at least like at least i would still have that that mystery slowly unravel for me but at the end of the day there was no reason why the xenomorph creature needed to be in the second movie in this franchise yeah it's not the story that they were setting up it's not what i came to the movie for but because fans got upset about it they they just backed off and they tried to do another alien movie and by proxy they ended up doing a worse version of the alien and used it terribly like again there's literally like in the the end of the movie like the spaceship scene there's like a friday the 13th scene where an alien kills two people in a shower and it's like there there's no Again, like, I'm not saying you can't do a scene like that in an alien movie, but it really just tonally compared to, like, the more philosophical, like, creator, creation, like, myth and reality, science and uh, God stuff that they were doing at the start of the movie and in Prometheus. And then you compare that to where they go at the end of the movie, it's just highly disappointing and, like immediately deflated any interest I had in seeing a follow-up. So, like, it's just... To me, that is a bad example of bringing something back just for the sake of, oh, well, people like the Xenomorph. So, there there was no... There was no need for it, and it felt forced. So, sorry, I feel like that was a bit of a... a bit of a rant there, but... No, it was a good, I, it was a good rant. I, I got very strong feelings about the Alien franchise... So, you've addressed Star Wars to death as far as this conversation is concerned, so I don't think we necessarily need to cover it. Right, and like there's not there's there's not much more I can really say on it other than like there's good nostalgia, there's bad nostalgia. I think people need to stop using that as like the catch-all term for bad callbacks. No, exactly. Like cuz I feel nostalgic about things. And I don't think that's a bad feeling to feel. No. Well, and ultimately, like, if you're going into another movie, like, specifically a sequel to a movie, there is a part of you that, like, ultimately you want to see a new story with, like, these characters or within this world. So, yeah, there is, there, like, the idea that you're not going to see things that were in a movie that came before, like, it's kind of ludicrous. Like... You're, you are literally asking for more of the thing that you liked the first time, just a little bit different. And whenever you can get that in a really good and smart way, where it actually feels like an, something new in this world, and not just the same thing I got last time, but slightly different. Well, that's half the problem, is people want, people want the same, but they want different. They want the yeah. exact same movie, but they don't want that movie. It can't deviate from that movie at all, but it can't be the same movie either. It's got to be different, but not too different. And it's got to have new ideas, but not too new. And it's like... But yeah. it can't be the same, because then that's boring and predictable. And it's like... Yeah. But also, if it completely surprises me, I'm going to be disappointed because I couldn't predict it. Like, it's basically like... Yeah, people trying to outsmart movies is crazy. Yeah, like, I... And it's like... I try not to go into a movie just expecting that I'm going to know what's going to happen. It, it's bad. Like, again, I do 
just because again we we've, we've made movies and like we've done some writing like mm-hmm. we we we've analyzed how stories are put together so we already have enough trouble turning our brains off to enjoy a story and like trying not to predict what's going to come next i don't need to overanalyze a movie before like based on trailers and like speculation videos before i go and see the movie because it's like ultimately i want to experience it as i'm watching it i agree with you about the trailer thing i disagree with you about the we have experience writing therefore we have trouble watching that stuff because like at the end of the day we're still very new to this whole thing mm-hmm. and even then like i i don't have problems truck cop turning off my brain at on, all. like there's, there's not, things like, i pick up on and notice but like yeah like i'm not trying to claim them like an expert of like story structure like god i'm definitely not an expert at all but it's like when you do spend a bit of time doing that stuff like you do start to pick up on things here or there. I think it's less about doing it and just like the amount that we've immersed ourselves into movies in general. Yeah. Because even growing up, watching watching the bat, behind the scenes features of things. Yeah. Um, and the more the more you pay attention to that stuff, the more stories you know. Yeah, you'd, you'd notice things. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like that's also the thrill of it for me. Mm. Um. And it like it gets exciting to to notice those things. Yeah. Well, and it, I guess it also like, I guess it has less to do with like your brain predicting things while you're watching it because naturally, like, your brain will do that and like trying to figure out every single thing that's going to happen in the movie before you watch it because oh, I could be the person who points it out, you know? Yeah, and I think that I I very much am anti that. That's where like. I think I've seen the main Spider-Man trailers and that's it. Mm-hmm. I kind of do that with Marvel stuff too. I watch like one or two trailers and that's it. If anyone I hear anyone talking about it, I skip it immediately. Like, cause I just, I'll, I want to be surprised. I want to go into something and enjoy it and just like go on the ride. I want to go in with as little expectations as possible because if I have a bunch of boxes that I need checked when I go into this movie, then I'm going to end up disappointed. No, Exactly. The only checkbox I have for No Way Home is hoping that Bonesaw shows up. <laughs> I don't think he's going to show up. I just, I feel like that's uh, really what the movie needs at the I end of the day. I don't think Bonesaw's going to be ready. He's not going to be... <laughs> Bonesaw's not ready. He's dead. Oh. One of, uh, you, you know... Keep, you keep wishing for Macho Man Randy Savage to come back. And we I, all know that that's not going to happen until the world ends. Oh, right. That's when he shall return. It's actually like uh, the Bible's not predicting the return of Jesus. It's the return of Macho Man. Oh, no, like Jesus will be there too, but he's bringing Macho oh, Man. Oh, he's a, the Jesus and the Macho Man will form the new mega powers. <laughs> I'd be down for that. <laughs> Look, but, Hulkster, I found a new brother. <laughs> brother. <laughs> And I formed the holy mega powers. Ooh. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Ooh, exactly. Miss you, Macho Man. Anyway, this this podcast will be dedicated to Macho Man Randy Savage. A little late, don't you think? Yeah. Anyway, who's got a question of the day? I wonder if Matt has a question of the day. Oh, what did he do? Oh, my God. 
Matt Alu coming back with the <laughs> started talking like a wrestling announcer. <laughs> oh my God, Matt Alu enters the arena. <laughs> People's elbow. Oh. Whoa! <laughs> get down here. Um. Um. So question of the day, I got one that I think could be pretty fun. Could it be? I sure hope so. Is it? Since we're since we are talking about like nostalgia to a certain extent and just like continuations and things like that, what is a movie that you really enjoy that you would have loved to have seen a sequel to, but just never got one? That's a good question. Yeah. Like I already got an answer if you wanna have some time to think about it. Yes. So for me, a movie that I really enjoy that, like, it feels criminal that never got a sequel. Again, like, it's, I say criminal, but really it's like, it is what it is. Um, but the slasher movie, My Bloody Valentine, I'm pretty sure I've get, gotten to talk about it before. But it's a Canadian slasher film, came out a little after Friday the 13th. And to me, like, it was probably one of the most brutal movies that came out from that time. It got chopped to hell, of course, by the MPAA, but there's an unrated version now. And, like, that movie, it's weird that, like, it did well, but never got a sequel follow-up. And it's kind of in a similar vein to uh, to Scream, in that the killer, it's not like they have, like, a central killer, like a Jason or a Freddy. It's just a costume that, like, a person dons to continue murdering people. So really, like, you could have done a whole movie following up where, like, somebody else is, like, wearing the minor armor and murdering people. Apparently the director had an idea for a sequel where, like, after the, the second series of murders, the town was starting to, like, lose, uh, lose tourism, things like that. So their solution for this is they turn part of the mine into a, uh, a thrill ride based on The Legend of Harry Warden. And kind of bring a bit more of that uh, that idea of, like, kind of trying to sweep things under the rug or, like, taking advantage of a situation. Like, having, a, like, that to me would be fun because I've never seen a movie like that before where they, like, take a place that, like, this horrible thing happened in and they're like, oh, let's turn it into a theme park. Like, I feel like there might be a movie like that now, but, like, that would have been a really interesting different way to do a sequel to a slasher that isn't just oh and now they're murderizing again so that, that i think would be fun doing, doing a my bloody valentine too or seeing a dog soldiers too i think would have been fun too but like that move dog soldiers did not do great at the time so that one makes a bit more sense but see another movie with uh seeing those werewolves again things like that that could have been fun and and you know what they 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 could have done a sequel to uh could have done a sequel to the Howling. I think that could have been really cool. They did several. Oh what? Yep. <laughs> they they made other movies in the Howling franchise. Yes, oh. exclusively. Oh god. Um, it's a weird left field answer, but that's also I can't really think of any other ones. But Daybreakers. Yeah. Oh yeah, like because oh, then like. Even if we just got one other movie that wrapped up the story, yeah, because, I would have been content with that. Well, because Daybreakers ends at a really 
interesting point. Like, like you kind of know it, what's going to happen. It bonkers because it, like, yeah, we're going to win. And then they just reset them back to where they were in the middle of the film. Yeah. And that's where, like, I really wish that they just got a sequel just to give me an ending. Well, it's a lame answer. It's a totally lame answer, but... Uh, I mean, there's no, there's no such thing as lame answers in A Feast of Films. I just asked for a sequel to an 80s slasher film, for Christ's sake. And I, Matt Alu, would love a sequel to Meet the Spartans! <laughs> I oh. love that movie! Really do 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 ba do ba do Wow, Matt, that's a, that's a really off-the-wall choice, but I can respect it. I think you should, because I'm Matt Alu, and I sure love Meet the Spartans! <laughs> yeah, but, oh, man, Daybreakers is so good. We should, we should do a podcast Priest, about... Priest would also be... Oh, man. Because that one... Uh, was Carl Urban... Though Carl Urban got killed in that one. No. Is he still... Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, do it now. <laughs> um, well, with Paul Bettany's and Carl Urban's uh, star power... Yeah, man. <laughs> let's let's petition... I am shocked that you didn't say Dread. Oh, God. How did... How could I not... How did I not think of that... Of all films. I think at you this point... My Bloody Valentine. Well, I think at this point I've just given up. <laughs> I gave up on Dreads 2 so hard that, like, I don't even think about asking for a sequel anymore. Uh, what that 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 movie is a tragedy that I never got a follow-up. It's so good. I know, I know I have several ideas for them. I just can't think of any. Right. Uh, X-Men First Class would be great if it had a sequel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would have been great to have seen that those versions of the characters get a continuation. As really, to, really get to flesh them out. And... Yeah, instead of just like, but remember, I made X Men movies years ago. Ooh. Oh my god! Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of sequels that should exist that don't, mm. and that's okay. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if a franchise gets to be a thing, and it, you're lucky enough to get one or two really good movies that follow that up, I'd say that's pretty good. But, but not everything needs to be a franchise either. Yep, not everything needs a sequel, not everything needs to be remade. But at the end of the day, if it does get remade, doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing right out the gate. Exactly. Well, I think that sums up another episode of Feast of Film. Mr. Prosser, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at thatjprosser. You can find my YouTube at uh, Jesse Prosser, just my name. Look it up on YouTube, I got some short films there. And then you can find Ethan and I's feature film, Damned Rights, on realhouse.org. Give it a rent, give it a buy, support us, see what you think. Yeah. Where can they find you, Ethan? You can find me at Ethan R. Hill on Instagram. You can find me at Ethan R. Hill on YouTube. And you can find our film where uh, Mr. Prosser said. And you can find Matt Bailu's stuff on all the previous videos where I said it, because I don't remember everything. <laughs> Something to do with gaming nights? Gaming Night Radio. Gaming Night Radio? That's a great name. Someone should have that as a podcast. Indeed. Oh, what a great idea, Matt Alu. I am Matt Alu signing <laughs> off. Woohoo! <laughs> good night, everyone. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs> so long. Bye-bye. <laughs> Matt's gonna love us. Oh, it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs>